listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you on the subject, the missing piece. Somebody say the missing piece. P-E-A-C-E. That is not spelled wrong. That is very correct. The missing piece. A newspaper in Tacoma, Washington carried the story of Tattoo, a basset hound named Tattoo. And Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner accidentally shut his leash in the car door and took off for a drive, Tattoo didn't have a choice. He, he had to run. He, had, he was on an evening stroll whether he wanted it or not, and Officer Terry Filbert um, noticed a passing vehicle with something running behind it. And, and his words in his report were, the Basset Hound was picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. This officer chased the car to a stop, and Tattoo was rescued. Somebody praise God for that. Tattoo was rescued. For all the dog lovers in the room that were hating the beginning of the story, Tattoo survived. But not before the dog had reached speeds of 20 to 25 miles per hour, rolling over several times. Chances are, today many of you feel like Tattoo the Basset Hound. Yeah, a little bit too, too strong, but there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean. Your, your life is controlled by everyone and everything but you. That's the way you feel. Like life just has you running out of control. And, and you're constantly being dragged from one deadline to the next between soccer practice and t-ball games, sales to make and reports to be filed, volleyball tournaments, dinner engagements, clients to meet with, errands to run, Friends to, to check on, family to care for, and church to attend. I mean, one can become weary in well-doing, right? And, and even as I was going down the list, some of those things were resonating with you, and you're like, man, I'm exhausted. I walked into this room today exhausted. And if that's you, you're in the right place. Welcome to DCC Sabbath 2022. We're here together. This is our month of Sabbath. Amen. Some of you are like, I'm not sure what I'm meaning right now. Don't know what I just walked into. Don't know what I got, got myself into. Let me explain it to you a little bit. Every year, we corporately, together, all together, we participate in a month of rest during the month of July. Every year. Since the beginning of our church. It started like this. September of 2006, we launched. And we worked hard to, to minister to people, to minister to our community, to, 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 to build the church, trying our hardest just to get people to come and, and be a part of it. Uh, we went through the Christmas season. We, we, we then went through uh, the, the Easter season, and we, we held a, a couple of big events. We had a fall festival in, 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 in October right after we launched. Then in, in Easter, uh, around Easter, we had an extravaganza, and hundreds of people showed up to that with just a, a small volunteer base, might I, might I add. And then, and then we got to June, and it was Vacation Bible School, the very first Vacation Bible School that we ever put on. And again, a handful of volunteers but a bunch of kids showed up at the old student center across the street from the middle school. We got to the end of that week, and, and though ministry was great, man, thing, great things were happening. We were riding a wave of momentum. We were exhausted, and I could feel it. As a church body, we were exhausted. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's time for a sabbatical. You've been going hard, but it's time for a sabbatical. And I called our church that first July of 2007, our first summer as a church, I called us to a month of rest. And we've done that every year 
since. Every year we've done that. And, and, and after a, a busy season of ministry, this is our chance to refresh, to catch our breath before the busyness of the fall. And it's coming, it's coming. So let me, let me just say this to you. And, and this is not meant to condemn, but this is important. If you don't feel tired right now as it relates to, to the church and the busyness of the church, it just simply means you're just not involved. That's, that's what it is. You're just not involved. And there's plenty of ways for you to get involved. But we all know we're all exhausted. All of us. If this is your first day at DCC. You walked into the room tired. That's the way life is. And so for this month, for us as a church family, we take a hiatus from all of our small groups. So if you came looking for small group activity, not this month. It's intentionally a month of rest. We have no midweek services for middle and high school students or our young adults or, or even our online Bible study. All of that just comes to a rest for this month. This is a much-needed month of rest from our normal activities. We'll get back into the swing of things in, in August, and we kick that off with a family reunion um, the, the first Wednesday night of August. We'll tell you more about that later, but, 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 but we are excited for this month of rest of just not doing much except Sunday services. That's pretty much what, 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 what we will do this month. And with the understanding that we cannot all just take the month off from work, we encourage you to be very intentional with your time. I, I really need you to listen to me. Even if this is your first time at DCC, hear me out on this. Throughout this month, it will be rewarding to you if you will be very intentional with your time, time has a way of getting away from us. We're guilty of saying that we will make time. The truth is you can't make time. You can't make time. That, that is not within your abilities. God created time, and we are bound by the confines of time. God isn't. God's not bound by time, but we are certainly bound by time. Therefore, we must make sure that we spend our time wisely. If Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The English Standard Version says it like this, making the best use of the time. Make the best use of the time. And that's what I'm challenging you to do for this month. Make the best use of the time. Here's a reality check, and this is tough for some of you, but nobody controls your time but you. You are the only one that controls time. Your time. You're the only one that has any say-so over that. And here's what I have learned through the years, because for many years I got this wrong, but, but thanks be to God I figured this out. But, but you prioritize what matters the most. You will prioritize what matters the most, and you will invest your time in what matters the most to you. And so your schedule, it, it, it'll tell on you. Your schedule will tell on you. It, it, it will pronounce what you value the most. Jesus said it like this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll, I'll say it like this. Whatever you invest in with time, talent, or treasure, whatever you invest in, that's what you will love the most. Somebody needs to hear that today. Some, mm, somebody needs to understand there's a reason why there's another relationship that's looking appealing to you right now. It's because you're investing more in that relationship than you are in your own marriage. You've got to learn that whatever you invest in, you fall in love with. 
And whatever we invest in with our time is what matters the most to us. And for this month, listen to me, church. This is a challenge from your pastor. Let, let me shepherd you right now. It, it, because this has the ability to change everything. For this month, we encourage you to, to only work the necessary hours to keep your job. If, if you can get out of overtime then, then, and, and, and still keep your boss happy, I understand that sometimes that's not an option. But if you can get out of overtime and keep your boss happy, then do it. I'm challenging you, go home at a decent hour and be all there, not distracted. Be there with the people that matter the most, or at least they should matter the most. Prioritize them, put them at the top of the list. And for this month, focus on your relationship with God, focus on your relationship with your family, and focus on your relationship with close friends. As the Apostle Paul said, make the best use of your time. It's all that you have once it's gone, you'll never get it back. So you must make the best use of your time, and the clock is ticking, church. The clock is ticking. The psalmist said in Psalm 90 and 12, he said, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. When you understand that the clock is ticking and that the days are numbered, it will make you prioritize life differently and that helps you grow in wisdom. You, you will grow. You will understand better if you prioritize correctly. My marriage was about seven years old. My children were about five years old when I realized that every day that passes, I will never get it back. That's a hard reality check, right? Every day that passes, I'll never get it back. And those days, they turn into weeks. And those weeks, they turn into months. And those months, they turn into years. And before you know it, you've wasted a lifetime just being too busy. It's not from a lack of effort. We've tried. We have spent a lot of money and a lot of brain power trying to figure this thing out. And over the last hundred years or so, humanity has successfully created time-saving and labor-saving devices and machinery. Think about it. Washing machines. Who in here remembers life before washing machines? Raise your hand. Both of you. <laughs> How about refrigerators? How many of you thank God for refrigerators? Amen? See, some of you need to get like, like a happy shout right about now because simply air conditioner. Air conditioning. Come on. Anybody remember life before microwave ovens? I do. I remember when my mom and dad bought our first microwave oven, and it changed the way we did life. You let your microwave break down now, it, you're in trouble. We depend on those things. It, it, those things make life easier for us. Dishwashers. Dishwashers. And I'm not talking about the children that you had that you make wash the dishes. I'm talking about an electric dishwasher. I know some of you, you, you have them, but you're too, too cheap to run them. <laughs> no, that's why you had children. I understand. I understand. Computers. Anybody remember life before a computer? I do. I was a young adult before I ever owned my first computer. Smartphones. Tablets. We have exhausted money and energy trying our best to make life easier. And there was this time in our nation's history that people couldn't imagine what we would do with all of the free time that we were creating for ourselves. 
In 1915, economist John Keynes, he said, for the first time since his creation, man will be faced with his real, his permanent problem, how to occupy leisure. Keynes was wrong, church. Keynes was wrong. The problem never became how to occupy leisure. It was what leisure? It didn't matter what we created. We still didn't create any more free time. Time Magazine noted that back in the 1960s, expert testimony was given to a subcommittee of the Senate on time management. And the report said that due to advances in technology, within 20 years or so, people would have to cut back radically on how many hours they, a week they worked or how many weeks a year they worked, or they'd have to start retiring sooner. They said the great challenge, they said in the 60s, would be figuring out what to do with all the excess time that technology would give them. 60 years later, I questioned their findings. What? We seem to have no excess time. Bless their hearts. The Senate worried for no reason at all. Oh, they cared about us, didn't they? Rocky said sarcastically. But they worried for no reason at all because we don't have the excess time that they were worried about. Consequently, we, we buy anything that promises to help us hurry. I, I remember when they started putting shampoo and conditioner all in one bottle together. Brilliant, right? I mean, I don't have time to get in the shower and, and put shampoo in my hair and then rinse and then conditioner in my hair, let it set for a minute and then rinse. No, 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 no. It's all in one bottle. We just, in one rinse and you're done. Saves us time, right? In 1984, Domino's Pizza became a success in the pizza industry because they promised to deliver in 30 minutes or less. One CEO, uh, he said this, he said, we don't sell pizza, we sell delivery. We know because your pizza's not very good. But, but just this week, just this week, but thank God we live in Newberry, Florida, right? Pizza capital of the world. If you know, you know, right? Just this week, my daughter, she ordered a pizza from Domino's using their app, and uh, she happened to be in the car with me and uh, using their app, another convenience to save time, right? And um, they now have this, this two-minute car-side delivery that once you pull in, if your pizza's ready, once you pull into a parking spot and, and, and you tell them through the app that you're there, they have two minutes to get it out to you or your next one is free. My daughter, on her phone, watches closely, and she's like, it's going to be free, it's going to be free. Sure enough, they were 25 seconds late. 25 seconds late! She didn't have to say anything. Immediately, it sends her a coupon for a free pizza. This is what our lives have become. A few years ago, USA Today reported that there was this Detroit hospital that guaranteed that emergency room patients would be seen within 20 minutes or their visit, their treatment was free. Business for this hospital went up 30%. 30%, it skyrocketed. But there's this side note. No report was given for a mortality rate increase or decrease, but if you had to wait longer than 30 minutes, it was free, but God save you, just, you, you may die in the process. Even with so many advances in technology, church, and efforts to reduce wait time and, and increase productivity, we are still consumed with crowded calendars. 
It is the problem with America. We are consumed with crowded calendars, and, and, and we are overwhelmed, and it's destroying everything that should matter the most to us, everything that should matter. But God has a remedy for this. You knew I was going to get here, right? God has a remedy for this. It's called Sabbath peace, and it's mentioned throughout His Word. If we would ever learn the benefits of Shabbat, of, of Sabbath peace, if we would ever really let that sink into our hearts and into our minds, our lives would be changed. It's as old as the planet. It was established at the beginning of humanity. Finding this Sabbath peace, it can bring healing to our lives. It can heal our marriages. I know because there's marriages in this room that have been saved because of Shabbat, of Sabbath, of refocusing our priorities. It, it can heal our relationships. It, it can restore our minds. It can even heal our physical bodies if we will learn to rest as God instructed us to rest. He gave it to us. Sabbath is a gift to humanity. And in order for us to understand the, the importance of this, I need to reprogram how you look at your time because Sabbath peace starts with how you look at your time, but Sabbath peace is what's missing from most of our lives. You know I'm telling you the truth. Whether or not you receive it, it might be because your mind is too busy being somewhere else, but in this moment right now, God wants you to hear the truth, so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start at the beginning of this thing. Um, we, will, we will later in this series, which let, let me say this about this series, all of our staff pastors are going to have an opportunity to preach one week of this series, so you're going to have a treat with that. But, but listen, yeah, praise the Lord for that. But listen, listen, today we go back to the beginning, before the law, before the law, before God gave Moses the law, because we know that's where we base a lot of our, our Sabbath instruction from. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. I, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Come back and read a couple of more verses, and then we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2 in just a moment. But let's, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 to begin with. In the beginning, God created. Let's stop. Let's just stop right there. I don't have time to get into this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. I think, I think God's going to release me to preach a series I'm working on right now in August. So we're going to get there. I don't have time to get on the soapbox today. But it's the problem with some of your, your children and it's the problem with some of our homes right now. We just need to remember those words that God created, that in the beginning God created. Let's don't let the world dictate any, any other narrative there. In the beginning, God created. Will you say it with me? In the beginning, God created. Say it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Let me go back to verse 2 just for a moment. It says, the earth was without form and void. This is an important description for us, church. We, we've got to really look into this and, and take some notes here because the Hebrew word that's used there for without form or formless is the Hebrew word tohu, tohu, and it means chaos and confusion. It's not by coincidence that we often put those words together because there's a Hebrew word that means both of them. Chaos and confusion is tohu, tohu. Chaos and confusion. In other words, church, don't miss it. God started 
with chaos and confusion, but he turned it into order and composure. When God began to create this planet as we know it, he started with chaos and confusion, but he brought order and composure. What was once in disarray and, and, and without direction was transformed into systematic purpose. You see, pandemonium became peace. Discord became harmony. Uncertainties became assurance. That's what happens when God is allowed to be in the mix. When you allow God, the creator, to, to, to come into the middle of chaos, he will take pandemonium and he will turn it into peace. Discord into harmony and uncertainties into assurance. That's what God does. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 tells us, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The English Standard Version of that says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Our society is so confused right now. There is chaos. There is disorder. But I'm telling you, at the moment we invite God back into the mix, He will create order out of it, and He will eliminate the confusion from our society. But we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to say, God, come in the middle of this. This is what Sabbath peace does. It brings God right back into the middle of our lives. God started with chaos and he created an environment so advanced that it could sustain life. Man, this, 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 this is so good. You've got to get this, church. He created an environment out of chaos that was so advanced that it could sustain life. What makes us think that he can't do the same with our chaos? Why do we turn to everything else? And why do we moan and complain and, and grumble and, 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 and just live in the mully grubs? Why do we live life that way when, when God, God can take our chaos and he can make something beautiful out of it? Why? If, if he did all of that with the world in the beginning, why do we think that he can't do the same with our chaos? We just have to be willing to trust him and his plan. And his plan for humanity is Sabbath peace. It's rhythm. It always comes back to this. I'm telling you, most of the things in our lives can be fixed, can be healed if we learn Sabbath peace. He gives us six days to try our best. That's what he said. And, and there's something to be said about that. I don't want to dive into it, but, but character is built through good hard work, right? If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. It creates responsibility. It creates accountability. It's important that, that we go and we work for six days. And, and I don't want this to sound legalistic. We don't treat Sabbath as legalistic. Listen, uh, for most of you in the room, today is your Sabbath. Today is not my Sabbath. I'm working. Right now, I'm working, okay? I, I've been working since early this morning, too. Tomorrow is my Sabbath. Don't bother me tomorrow. Every Monday is my Sabbath. Don't bother me. Don't text me. Don't call me. I will be with my wife all day tomorrow. Every Monday, that's the way it works. I will be with her, okay? No, I need you to say okay. Okay, now that we're on the same page. He gives us six days to try our best, but then he asks us to give it to him on the seventh day. Church, 
This is faith. That's all God wants from us. He wants faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants faith. He wants trust. He wants us to be able to, to put it in his hands and, and have faith that he can, he can take care of it. That us working six days, we, we know that the one day that we don't put our hand to the plow and we trust God, that God can do more in that one day than we can in the six days working. Oh, see, some of you, you've never experienced this before. You don't know what that's like. I say God can do more in one day of your downtime than you can do six days trying to make it all work together and everything work together for your good. You can't do that. God can. And it, it's faith. It's faith that he is your provider. It's faith that he is your healer. It is faith that, that God can be trusted. And when Sabbath is not part of your weekly routine, you are not trusting God. You are playing God. And we either trust God or we play God, but you can't do both. You can't do both. You can't work seven days a week and act like it all depends on you and not tell me that you're not trying to be Lord of your life. If you live life that way, you are killing yourself. You are not prioritizing what matters the most. And God says, I want you to put it in my hands and trust me that in your downtime, I can work on your behalf. We either trust God or we play God. Let's continue. Verses 3 and 4. Genesis 1, 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the, that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Did you see that? There was evening and there was morning the first day. Notice, church, that the first day started with evening and then there was morning. That's how the day starts for a Jew. They base it off of this. The Hebrews, the Israelites, they base it off of this. Their day starts at sundown. When you and I are winding down and we're ready to, 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 to relax for the evening, the Jewish day has just begun. Their day starts at sundown. It didn't begin with sunrise. The first day began with sunset. The first day of creation began with sunset. It started with darkness and it ended in the light. You have no idea what I'm saying yet, but you'll get there. It started with darkness and it ended in the light. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 13, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 19, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Verse 23, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And, and, and then, then you get to the sixth day. You know what happened on the sixth day, right? On the sixth day, he created us. He creates humanity on the sixth day. Surely this day is going to end differently, right? On the sixth day, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. See, you're still not there yet, but, 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 but don't worry. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to lead you into this truth. God doesn't end your day in the dark. Somebody's in a dark place right now, right? God never ends your day in the dark. God always ends your day in the light. 
So if it's still dark in your moment, if it's still dark in your situation, it just simply means God is not done. His day is just getting started. God is just getting started in your circumstance. He's just, if it's still dark, he's just begun the work in your life and God is going to bring it about to completion. If it's still dark, God's still working, which means while you're sleeping, God is working it out on your behalf. You just have to lay your head on your pillow and trust him. While you're resting, God is working for you. But let's go over to Genesis chapter 2 because it's interesting to me that after six days of creating, God Almighty rested. You ever thought about this? After six days of creating, and, and might I add this, he never had to lift a finger. He just said it, and it happened. After six days, the most powerful being ever rested on the seventh day. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it... God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Did you see that? So God blessed the seventh day. Church, let me, let me submit this to you. The reason why Destiny Community Church is so blessed, and we are. How many of you agree we're a blessed church? Amen? The reason why we are so blessed is in part due to our observance of Sabbath. You'll never convince me otherwise. It has been established at the beginning. And listen, there's nothing about the seventh month. I've tried. I've looked in scriptures. We've just set aside a month to rest, just to be spiritually renewed. I'm telling you, we're not legalistic about this, but it is important for our lives. God blesses the Sabbath. And when God blesses the Sabbath, why would we not want to jump right in the middle of that? It said God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. God created for six days. He rested on a Sabbath holy day that he created and he blessed. Psalm 121 verses 3 and 4 tells us this. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So again, the question comes to my mind. Why would the God of the universe that does not require sleep, that, that does, who does not tire, God does not tire, why then would he rest on the seventh day? And what you have to understand, church, is that it was God's seventh day of creation. This is where we mess up. It was God's seventh day of creation. It was Adam's first full day alive. It was Adam's first full day alive. This, this should show you how God was programming us and the dependency that he wanted us to have on him. He, he created humanity. He, he created humanity on the sixth day. And, and right after that, it was night and it was day. The sixth day. And immediately, immediately, Adam is led to rest. God says, let me show you by example what I need for you. This had nothing to do with God being tired of creating for six days. 
It had everything to do with how we are wired. God wired us in such a way that we require rest. We require to be revived. We require to be restored. And, and, and he created us with that need in our lives. And so where, where humanity gets in trouble is when we walk away from, from the plan that God has of Sabbath peace in our lives, of Sabbath rest. And when we push that away and we say, that's not a priority, that's not important. When we push that away, we, we we are, are, are going against the design of how God ha, has, has made us. Adam, the first thing I want you to do is rest. Be before he ever worked a day in his life, God showed him how to rest. Before he trimmed one tree in the garden, God showed him how to rest. Before he picked one weed, God showed him how to rest. Before he named the first animal, before he lifted a finger, before Eve could create the very first honeydew list, God showed him how to rest. This is the priority that God puts on it in, in our lives. And, and so we too, we have to, to, to reprogram our thinking on this. And, and listen, some of you, some of you, you walked in here today, and this is the end of your weekend. Think, think about all this. Let's, let's put all this together. You had a week of work. Then you have your weekend. And in your mind, this is the end of your weekend. We're so backwards on this. We've got to reprogram and say, no, 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 no. Yesterday ended my my week. That was the end of my weekend. My calendar says Sunday is the first day. This is the first day of my week, and I'm giving it to God. I, I'm saying, God, I'm entering into your Sabbath rest today. This is for you, not for me. Tomorrow is my Sabbath. But I'm telling you, your week starts today. You've got to have that mentality and say, God, I'm starting my week with rest, just as you programmed Adam, programmed me to start my week with rest, and then you hit the job tomorrow and you work hard all week long until you get back around to that Sabbath rest. Because when you get back there and you develop that habit of, of, of honoring and keeping the Sabbath, I'm telling you, that's when you will find the missing piece in your life. But here's the problem here's the problem. I'm going to finish this thing up and get you out of here so you can swim to your car. For those watching online, it is a downpour outside right now. Here's the problem, guys. And, and I, I just want to be real with you because this frustrates me. Our dependency on God is often an afterthought. We will wait to invite God into the mix of our situation. We will, we will wait to invite God into the chaos until it's our last resort. Like, we've tried to fix it. We, we've pushed more money at it than we possibly can, than we, than we should. We've had more conversations. We've had more arguments. We've done everything that we know to do. Why don't we do what we should do first to begin with? Why is, is, is dependency on God, why is it always an afterthought? We will wait until our lives are in disarray before we turn to God. We will wait until life is chaotic before we will pray.
and, and I'm telling you, it frustrates me. And I'm going to let you in on a secret right now. And I want everyone to listen to me. Our counsel, even God, he quieted the heavens so you could hear me say this. Our counsel years ago graciously appointed this month for me to have no counseling appointments. I don't meet with anyone. I still come to the office for all the work days. I come to the office and, 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 and I, I, I study, I prepare. It helps me get my preaching calendar ready for the next year. I mean, it just, it just helps me so much. That's one reason why this month is so important to me, but it never fails. It never fails. There's always that person or that couple, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. You know I love you. I love what I do. And in an emergency situation, I'll drop everything I possibly can to be there for you. But, but hear me out. There's always those people that they wait before they bring it to God. Now, I'm not God. I'm not saying that. Trust me, I'm not God. My wife will amen me on that, okay? I am not God. But many times I am the voice of reason and I am the voice of God that speaks into their life just through scripture and through prayer and in those moments. But so many times people wait until their marriage is over before they even ask someone to pray about it. They'll wait until their child is is so far gone, a prodigal gone astray, and it feels like they are so far away. They'll wait until that child is gone before they'll ask someone to pray, before they'll ask for godly wisdom. And I know, I know, and I love you, and and the reason why, this month, I, I know at some point I'll have to drop everything I'm doing or not doing in order to be there for someone who has just waited simply too long. Why is it that we wait to become dependent on God when it clearly says that he started Adam's life in Shabbat, in Sabbath peace? Depend on me first, Adam, and then I'll release you to work. And then in the rhythm of Sabbath, another, another week's going to go and come, and, and, and we'll start next week the same way, and you'll be able to walk with me in the cool of the day. Adam, just depend on me. Just depend on me. We wait until our children are running from God before we bring them to God. We wait until our marriages are falling apart before we get God, God involved. We wait until we are in chaos, and then in desperation, we ask God to do something about it. But I love this. I love it. This is grace. God showed Adam how to rely on him first. And there's not a person in this room, including me, that we haven't messed that up at some point. But our God, if your life is in chaos right now, the God of order does his best work when you relinquish it to him and you simply rest. He knows exactly what you need for your life before you even know it. Now, I have no scripture to back this up, so I need everyone to listen close to me. This is an assumption based on the scripture, but I I want you to understand how God works for us on our behalf, even when we don't know what we want. God looked at Adam and his loneliness in the garden, and he said it's not good for man to be alone. 
And the Bible says that he put him into a deep sleep, a rest. And through that, God performs a surgical procedure. He takes one of his ribs and he starts with that rib and he creates woman. When Adam awakes from that, that deep sleep, from that rest, the very thing that God knew that he needed, it's not good for man to be alone. After that rest, God gave him exactly what he needed for his life to complete his life. I'm convinced it happened on the first Sabbath. No scripture to back that up. I'm just telling you, it was... And I, I know this. I know that there's, there's a plural pronoun that's used in your Bible that talks about them. They. They were able to experience some of that Sabbath together. Why is it that we are so hesitant to put our lives back into the hands of the Creator, the one that created our lives. He is the one that designed the rhythm of our lives and how we renew, how we restore. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I just need to be reminded. I, I look around the room and there's really three groups of people in this room. There's people that you're hearing this for the first time. And it is my privilege as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to present this to you for the first time. I, I'm so honored that God used me as a vessel to share Sabbath peace with you. There's other people in the room that you're like me. You walked in here and you just need to be reminded. It's the reason I preach this every year. We need to be reminded. We forget we, we become little gods in our eyes and we think that it all depends on us when in reality, God can do so much more when we just put our trust in Him and just rest in His presence. That's, that's the best part. And then there's a third group in this room. And your mind is too busy to receive what I just taught. The enemy has had your mind spending out of control since the moment you walked in the door. It's because there's real cares, there's real concerns, but let me tell you, you serve a real God. And He can fix it. He can make it right. He can restore, He can revive. But you've got to be willing to unplug Church, I'm challenging you. This is the month to do it. Start it. Throughout this whole month, just practice Sabbath. When you don't have to work, don't work. Don't create new opportunities. As a matter of fact, Sabbath is all about us not creating. We get to recreate, recreate. That's what Sabbath is about. And as your pastor, I'm challenging you because your life depends on it. And when we break Sabbath, we are entering into an early death that you were not created for. 
Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.